the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Sadly, so many within the church seem to think that salvation is something that happens and then we go about our life as if nothing has happened. Nothing could be further from the truth. Welcome to today's broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastan from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. We're continuing a message called The Parable in Honor of God's Patience, the Just Grounds for Men Perishing. We're in Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 9, and today we take a look at God's plan and the fact that it comes with great expectations because He is indeed a sowing God, a seeking God, and He is the seed of God. It's all straight ahead on today's broadcast of Way of Grace. Here's Pastor Jessica Stand with today's message. Judges 9, verse 10. And the tree said to the fig tree, ah, here we go. They move on from the olive tree and they go to the fig tree. And the fig tree said, and the tree said to the fig tree, come thou and rule over us. Verse 11. But the fig tree said unto them, should I forsake my sweetness? See, you know, one of the things we've been talking about at Grace for a couple of years is the only way you can be productive in your service to God, are you ready, is to know your identity. The only way you can really be productive for God in your service to him is to know your identity and know your gifting. The olive tree knew its identity and knew its gifting. The fig tree knows its identity and knows its gifting. It can't just be bamboozled by a proposition, can it? Watch this. The fig tree said unto them, should I forsake my sweetness and my what? Good fruit. Now, don't you want to be sweet? Don't you want to bear good fruit? Should I forsake sweetness and good fruit and go be promoted over the trees? Verse 12. Then said the trees unto the vine. Oh, here we go. We got a fig tree and we've got vines. This here's a commentary on our text in Luke 13. I'll show you how it corresponds. Then he said unto the vine, come thou and reign over us. Now listen to what the vine tree said. And the vine said unto them, should I leave my wine? Now, for you religious folks, just hold on. You'll be all right. Should I leave my wine, which cheereth God and man? Do you see what he just said? He said, now I know who I am and I know what I was made to do. And my identity is rooted in a God who is pleased with who I am in him. And I find that when I operate out of my calling, God is blessed and man is blessed. All right? You can twist it up any kind of way you want to, but we're going to keep it real, right? 
Psalm 104, 15 made it clear. Oil is for the continence of men to make them to shine. And the wine is designed to make the heart what? Glad. Should, the vine said, should I leave my wine and, which cheers God and men and go pre- be promoted over the what? In other words, they, the fig tree and the vine tree said, I'm not leaving my calling. The fig tree knew what it was about. The vine tree knew what it was about. Now let's go back to our parable and learn something about how important these trees are, this assignment is to God, and how important it should be to you. Under point number one, we have clearly identified a remarkable plan of what? Kindness. In the Greek, that could also be translated goodness. In the Hebrew, it could also be translated faithfulness. When God is faithful, he is kind and he is good, is he not? And this plan that God has is described or depicted by a fig tree in the middle of grapevines. And I am asserting, subpoint C, that what we have here is a relationship of what? Sweetness and joy. Now, a number of times, please pull up 1 Chronicles 12, verse 38. I'll read verse 38 through 40. A number of times in your Bibles, whenever fairly wealthy people are well-to-do people, have vineyards and grapevines and fig trees, when they seek to honor someone or bless someone, they will put together a big package, are you ready? Of figs and raisins. Clusters of raisins and clusters of figs. Me and my wife were on vacation about a month and a half ago, two months ago in Palm Spring, as you know, uh, and I ran into a rattlesnake. I told y'all about that, right? Turned around and said, I'll never meet you again, brother. Um, But there we had the delectable opportunity to eat figs because the palm tree grows what? Figs. And figs are very what? Sweet. And they are an essential commodity in many countries. Like certain countries cannot live without the figs. The figs have always been in the Middle East, a commodity that represented um, uh, wealth, represented honor, represented bestowing upon people a kind of dignity. It was the, it would be the dessert around the table. Am I making some sense? And here in our account, David has just won the battle in Hebron, that would be Jerusalem. And it says here, all these men of war that keep rank came with a perfect heart unto Hebron to make David king over all Israel. So this is where David becomes king in Israel and all the rest of Israel were of one heart to make David king. This is a great picture of the believer coming to Christ, submitting to Christ as sovereign Lord. See, he is Lord over all of us, is he not? And the only thing that you and I need to do is bow and acknowledge him as Lord. One day our greater king, our greater David will come and all of God's people will acknowledge him as Lord. But look at verse 39, here it is. And there they were with David three days, eating and drinking for their brethren had prepared for them. Verse 40, here it is. Moreover, they that were nigh them, even under Issachar, Zebulon, Naphtali, brought bread on asses, on camels, on mules, on oxen, and meat and meal and cakes of what? And bunches of what? And what? Wine. And what? Oil. And oxen and sheep abundantly. For there was what in Israel? 
What in Israel? Joy in Israel. And I am submitting to you, when you and I submit to the purposes of God, the plan of God, it's in order for God to bring you into the abundance of his kingdom. Now, we have already asserted that Romans 14, 17 establishes for us the character of the kingdom of God, does it not? What is that? The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and what else? Joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, what I'm doing with you in this sermon is challenging you. You know what I'm challenging you on? How you perceive God's goodness in your life. I'm challenging you on whether, you not, whether or not you live in the reality of what the kingdom of God truly is for grateful sinners. For real grateful sinners who know the sourness and the bitterness and the stench of sin. And having been brought out of it and brought near to God, who have washed them in his blood, clothed them in his righteousness, and sat them at his table. Do you know the sweetness of the kingdom of God? Do you know the joy of the kingdom of God? Do you know the blessedness of the kingdom of God? This is what God is getting out for you and me, because I'm afraid that a lot of people walk around professing to be in the kingdom and know nothing of the fatness of the Holy Ghost. Know nothing of the sweetness of the fig or the sweetness of the vine or the richness of the wine. I am really worried that by the way we act, we are saying to people, it's not a reality to me. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? It's not a reality, but saints, it's a reality to me. I wake up every day thinking about how gracious God has been to me, and I hope it is for you. See, what you see in 1 Chronicles 12 is really a celebration. A celebration because all 12 tribes now are under one good godly king, and they are rejoicing and feasting and thanking God. And may I say by typology, every time we gather under the roof of God, we are people from every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue right here under King David, and we should be rejoicing at his goodness in our life. We should be rejoicing at his goodness in our life. We should not be aliens to the rejoicing of the sweetness and the fatness and the joy and fullness that comes from the kingdom of God. This is what I captured in the parable in terms of the overall nature of what God did. Now, going back to uh, uh, Luke 13, 6 and 7, let's begin now to press into something that's very important to me. Now, as I said, the olive and the fig tree and the vine tree are all symbols of the kingdom of God. Its nature is fullness and flourishing and bounty, sweetness and delectableness and joy and fullness and cheerfulness. But here is what the parable says. The parable says a certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Now we enter into our dilemma. Now we enter into the perplexity of the masterfulness of a parable because a parable will open up in a kind of nonchalant way with a general uh, uh, layout of the landscape of the parable and then it will inevitably in, into, uh, uh, emerge into a tension. And here's our tension. The owner of the vineyard where he planted the fig tree had an expectation, had an expectation and you and I don't want to miss it because our Lord is actually dealing with the people to whom he's talking with 
as being in the first prophetic fulfillment, the very vineyard and fig tree that God meant for them to express that God was good to them. And when Christ says, but it bore no fruit, this is an indictment on Israel. Are y'all hearing me? It's an indictment on the people of God who should have been like grapevines and fig trees because of the goodness of God in their life. God was patient with them and God brought them into his plan, but they bore no fruit. Now looking at the text, here's what you and I have to deal with. We have to deal with the fact that in point number two, it's very clear. God's plan comes with what? Great expectation. Like, you don't get to actually just talk about being in the kingdom of God. You got to know that you were placed there by a sovereign Lord. And you were placed there with a purpose. And one day, God is coming to look for fruit. Is that right? That runs all the way through the Bible. Let's deal with it then under point number two. God's plan comes with great expectation. Did you know that God is a sowing God? That God sows. God, in fact, is the first one that sowed. Do you believe that? The heavens and the earth were sown by God's fiat and divine decree. He spoke it into existence. The seed of the word of God was planted by the proclamation of God and everything was made, right? And we see the beautiful labor of God in Genesis chapter 1 where he creates day 1. He creates day 2. He creates day 3. He creates day 4. Day 5. Day 6. And on day 6, you know what God does? He stands back and says, look at what I did. Look at what I did. I got some insight into God right there. You maybe you haven't, but I did. According to the Proverbs, every man will be satisfied by his own labor. And I think God takes great delight in his labor. Would you agree with me? God takes such delight in his labors, he is looking forward to showing it off. Because a man's work will speak to who he is. And the God of the Bible will let you and I know that he has great expectation for his handiwork. Great expectation for his plans and his purposes. Three things I want you to see here. He is a sowing God. Everything in our present creation operates all out of a, what we call a sow-reap principle. Would you agree with that? Everything, particularly where you and I have to imbibe food and eat it in order to live. So read principle comes through. You heard this verse last week in a different context, but I want you to hear it here. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 10 and 11. One of these days you'll remember it by heart. And when you do, you will discover this, that God is still sowing. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven, and it does not return thither, but watereth the earth. Is that laboring? Is that the heavens opening up and maintaining the earth? Is that God's goodness over creation? What would happen if for just one year, God wouldn't rain anywhere on planet Earth? All of our ecology would be lopsided and turned upside down, wouldn't it? We would be in an awful mess, wouldn't we? And we would be inclined to ask the question, is God good? But because God has created a world wherein he has systematically made sure that mankind has resources, we see that God is still working, at least in terms of the maintenance of the mechanisms by which we enjoy life. Because I do, the snow from heaven, and it returneth not thither, but waters the earth, and maketh it to bring forth and bud, that it may give what? Seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. Remember that. Now, this is God's decree that there will be seed time and harvest in terms of creation, because man has to live. Man has to live. 
Now what that means is when you go to the store and buy something to eat and you put that food in your belly, you need to thank God for this cycle. Because God worked for you. God worked for you. God worked for you. And then we discover that God is a sower because in Matthew 13, verse 37, where Jesus gives the parable of the kingdom of God, it's like soil upon which seed is sown. And the sower went forth to what? Sow. Have you ever thought about the sower being God himself? Is not God the sower? And he answered and said unto him, he that soweth the good seed is the what? Stay with me now because I'm, I'm getting ready to draw you into a point of culpability. Here it is. If you are a believer in Christ, as am I, you are the direct product of the labor of God. God labored to bring you into existence. God labored to make you a child of God. He labored to produce good fruit in you. God labored when you wouldn't labor. The only reason you have life, the only reason you know grace, the only reason you can thank God for your existence is because while you were nothing, he was laboring to bring you into existence. This is the work of the Son of Man. This is the work of the Son of Man. So we discover that in this plan that God has, of which he is great and kind, he has an expectation. But here's the reason why. He has invested enormously in the project. God has invested enormously in the project. Would you agree? I can't overstate it. You and I may run around talking about who we are and what we have and how blessed we are. Brother, you didn't labor for it. It was given to you freely by his grace. Another labored for it, and you've entered into the joy of that labor. Let somebody know God worked hard for me to be a child of God. He worked enormously for me to be in the kingdom of God. God worked magnificently to make me not only a human being, but a redeemed human being. A redeemed human being. And he has placed me, like David said, in a wonderful place. The lot of the Lord has fallen out good to me. I don't know about to you, but God has been good to me and didn't have to be. Didn't have to be. But I am under no illusions. He worked hard for what I have. Do you see it? He's a sowing God, but he's also a what kind of God? Seeking God. Seeking God. All through the Bible, God seeks. All through the Bible, God seeks. I sought the Lord, and afterwards I knew. He moved my soul to seek him, seeking me. God seeking. God seeking. Even right now, the Holy Ghost is seeking somebody. Is he not? Whenever the preaching goes forth, God is seeking. God is calling. God is drawing. God is saying, come near, come near. I've got a good word for you. I have a wonderful plan. My plan is sweet, is what God is saying. So in God's good patience, God is calling you to a sweet purpose. In his good patience, he's calling you to a sweet purpose. And subpoint B says he's a seeking God. Didn't we discover that in Genesis 3, verse 8 and 9? Don't pull it up. God creates the heavens and the earth. Then he makes man the, the steward over it all. And man messes it up in about a week working for him. Y'all know something about that? You get a job and you, you, you talk like you know you know what you're doing. And then about a week in you discover, I don't know what I'm doing. And then you run away from the job. Now, if God didn't care for you, he wouldn't come after you. 
But he cared enough for your narrow butt to come hunt you down when you went AWOL from his job. Now, he gave you a job that you weren't qualified for. He gave you a dignity and a status that you had not earned. He placed you in a bounty and fullness that he knew would require his help. All he wanted you to do was ask when you got in trouble. But the moment you got in trouble, you ran. Now, if God was not good, he would have just let you go to hell. But God is so good in his purposes and his plans that not only does God have a patience, but in his plan, he comes hunt you down to bring you back, to bring you back to his plan. I'm going to show you in a minute how this works out, okay? Because the patience of God is the long-suffering of God, because God's long-suffering is about knowing that if God is not patient with you and I, he must destroy us all. Do you hear me? He must destroy us all. Lord, thank you for your long-suffering. You are a sowing God. You are a seeking God. I love it. Adam, where are you? God comes hunting him down. And I'm going to be speaking to Adam in a few weeks in honor of Adam because I want you to see the proper view of what it means for the people of God to be saved. God hunts us down. We don't hunt God down. God hunted Adam and Eve down and brought them back and put them in a status that would set them up for redemption. Psalm 126, 5 and 6. This will be our text for consideration. He is a seeking God. Why is he a seeking God, Pastor? Because he's the one that provided all of the material for the product. He's the one who has sown into his own field. He's the one who has labored. And shouldn't the laborman be first partaker of the fruit? Shouldn't the man sowing the seed be first partaker of the fruit? They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Do you see that? Does God sow? Did he sow in tears? Did Christ lay down his life for our sins? Did he bear the wrath of God under him? Did he break up the fallow ground of the hard hearts of men in order that God might be pleased to bear fruit in their life? They that sow in tears shall what? This is what I mean by great expectation. This is what I mean by great expectation. See, God expects a return on his labors. And we're not talking money. We're talking souls, are we not? God expects a return on his labors. Look at verse 6. Here it is. Verse 6. He that goeth forth weepeth bearing what? Now who is the he here? God. What is the precious seed? Christ. He's the seed running all through the Bible. In fact, Lord help my people to get this. Every other seed that God has given us to employ, the seed of men, the seed of animals, the seed of vegetables, are temporary perishing seeds. The only seed in the universe that has life for eternity is the one seed of God called Christ. And we can sow all kinds of other seeds all we want to, but if the seed of Christ is not sown in you, you will perish. What doth it profit a man to gain the whole world and have all of the perishable seeds of life and not have the one seed that will never perish? Now watch this. This is why I love God. He's so wise, he makes sure that he's the one actually sowing that seed. Isn't he good? Isn't he good? When he looks at all the seed and he says, this is all right, but this seed here, no, I'm going to plant this seed. 
I'm going to make sure this seed goes into the ground and die and bring forth fruit abundantly. This is the God who expects great things from his labors. He goes forth weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with what? Shall doubtless come again with what? There's a day coming. There's a day coming when God's going to be rejoicing in his labors. Well, time permits us to go no further. You have been listening to Way of Grace, the daily radio ministry of Grace Bible Church in Hayward, featuring our teacher and pastor, Pastor Jessica Stand. It is our prayer as we come to you daily on this broadcast that you're growing in grace, that you're growing in your love and adoration of Jesus Christ. That's the goal and the intent here at Way of Grace, that we might understand the amazing love of God in Christ. If you would like to obtain a copy of today's program, you've got a couple of ways you can do that. CDs are $5. Simply call or write to us and we'll send one to you. Or if you're internet savvy, simply stop by our website and you can download the audio file in MP3 version and that one's free. Grace-Bible.com is our website. That's Grace-Bible.com. And again, If you're willing to write to us or contact us by phone, if you would like the CD, simply do so at 510-886-9782. Again, that phone number is 510-886-9782. The address, if you're writing to us, is 22768 Main Street. That's here in Hayward. The zip code 94541. And again, remember, the CD is $5 or simply stop by grace-bible.com and download the MP3 version for free. We would also invite you to join us for worship here at Grace Bible Church in Hayward. Sunday services are at 11 a.m., Sunday schools at 10 a.m. And don't forget, from a variety of churches and from all over the Bay Area, we have enjoyed a marvelous time of studying God's Word Friday evenings here at Grace Bible Church at 8 p.m. For the directions and the details, simply go to our website, grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Or call 510-886-9782. Also, as the Lord leads, we're able to come to you here on KFAX in part through your financial and prayerful involvement with this ministry. Now, while it's free for you to listen to, it does incur a cost on our end, and we look to the Lord for his gracious provision. And if you would like to participate in that, then please do get a hold of us. Any donation, no matter how big or small, is greatly appreciated here at Way of Grace. 510-886-9782 is our phone number. Thank you for spending time with us today. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.